Good morning. It's Pastor Jen, and I am so excited to be joining you for Thursday Connect, continuing our Bible study on the book of Isaiah and our wonderful book called Be Comforted, written by Warren Wearsby. So if you're joining me this morning, I'm excited to see you. Type in the chat and let me know you're there while we're getting ready. And uh, tell me how you're doing today and who you are and what's going on, because I know today is going to be amazing. And um, you can see, hi, Amicia. You can see, hi, Boriana. I'm in Pastor Rick's office today because he's painting in my other Bellavita office and um, helping me to spruce things up, clean things up, make sure everything is fresh. And uh, so he's a good husband and a wonderful pastor, and I'm very thankful. I'm very excited to see you. I'm on live Facebook and YouTube, so people get used to doing that. And um, if you can even share, hi, Barb, um, the link. We are so excited for registrations. Share the link for registrations, because Saturday is our ladies launch into 2021 Zoom victory party on Zoom. And we have ladies from all over the world who are gonna be joining us and we invite you to join us. So you need to register so you can get the link. We, we are gonna do some breakout rooms and it's gonna be like a virtual party. So um, we're gonna share with one another and encourage one another. We're gonna hear testimonies. And I just believe it's going to be a wonderful time because staying connected is what we need to do. Good morning. Happy to have you join us. Okay, so this is interactive, and I want you to type in the chat what city you're watching from. What city are you watching from? And if you're in Rome, maybe type even the little commune if it has a different name than Rome where you're watching from so we can kind of see these various areas that each one is a part of. And so again, my name is Pastor Jen, pa Jennifer Pasquale, and I am at the International Christian Fellowship in Rome. We have many who will join and watch the Bible study later, and we're just having a great time. As I've told you, hi Shanta, um, the book of Isaiah is almost like a mini Bible with you know, the Bible has 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. Isaiah has 39 chapters that really refer to what was happening then and in the Old Testament days and predicting and prophesying some things that would come to pass and that would be in the future. But today finishes chapter 39 and next week we will actually start into that New Testament part where Isaiah really begins to talk about being comforted and, he, and it's called the book of consolation starting with chapters 40 to 66. Why can we be comforted? Because the Messiah is coming. So you're typing in the chat. Hi Lisa. Yes, from Brighton, from Detroit. Awesome. Uh, Durban. Wonderful. Yes, Oriana has put the ladies launch link in there. So if you have not registered, you can get registered. And yesterday and today, you're going to get emails about the link so that everybody has it. Uh, wonderful. I'm so glad, Shanta, you were able to get that as well. And um, 
So if you're joining online for the Zoom party, we've got some email things we're going to give you that are fun, and we want you to, to do that, okay? Awesome. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to illuminate. We are going to start on the illness crisis on page 118. All right, we're on page 118 in our book, and we're going to start on Hezekiah's illness and what happened with that. So Lord, we just give you this day. I pray for everyone who's watching now and will watch later and that they will know that you have heard their cries and their petitions, that they are to be comforted in the word of God because you always fulfill your promises. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So if you remember last week, we were in this chapter called God Save the King. And um, just to give you a little rec recap, we talked about the Assyrian army. We talked about Sennacherib and how he tried to tell the people, don't trust in your God. You need to trust in me and my wealth. And this is a reminder that God through Isaiah and through Hezekiah was saying, we don't trust in things that man does. We pray for our government. We follow our government, um, which is why we're online, but all things work together for good. So we've been able to connect more, but but the word of God is reminding them in the Old Testament days, as well as us who read it so many years later, that we must trust in the Lord's provision. We must trust in the Lord's provision. That's where our countenance is, is made and formed, in the Lord's presence. So, um, you know, the government will try to say, hey, you need to do this or that. God is saying you need to do what's right and legal. But more than that, do what the word of God says, okay? And we read Psalm 126 last week, uh, talking about that har harvest promise that you would not starve. And you know what? Even in this season of COVID and restrictions, I like to take the word literally, you know, you won't starve. You won't, we, we're, we're here in Rome able to provide a food pantry. And so um, we thank God for the generous donations that have been coming in online and in the Sunday offerings because we are helping people to have food during this time of, of need. But more importantly, we won't starve spiritually when we stay in the word of God. That's what you're doing today. You're staying in the word of God. So let's start with page 118, the illness crisis. And I want to remind you if this is your first time watching with us, and sometimes it just reminds me when I am uh, having to remember that Isaiah was written in the Old Testament, 700, 800 years we're talking about before Christ, the book of Isaiah, Hezekiah, things were happening. And then I want you to know that the person who wrote this Bible study, this book that we're using, he wrote this book in 1994. And the bottom line is, it, the word of God is relevant to us no matter when, no matter where. So what was relevant in the Old Testament days was relevant in 1994. It's relevant in 2021, and it will be relevant to our children and our children's children should the Lord tarry. We know Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back very soon, but um, we're going to look at what this book study has to say. But I wanted to share a couple things with you. Um, about Isaiah from another commentary I have called The Introduction of the Old Testament Prophets. And I wanted to just read a couple things to you that this, this commentary said, in case you have your tea. 
Okay. Isaiah was a prophet of excellence. We've already seen how he really gave the word of God truthfully, and but he always came back with a promise too, because there is a word of God. Hi, Julia. The word of God is relevant, but there is a judgment if we don't follow the word of God. So we have to avoid sin. And but there's always a promise of redemption. There's that thread that runs through the Bible. God creates, man receives the blessing, and then man gets prideful, and then they take their eyes off Jesus, off God, off of his off of heaven, and they begin to depend on their own self, and they fall or they fall into sin, and then God has a redemptive promise for grace. And that happens all the way through the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So Isaiah was that prophet of excellence. He also, it says, no prophet of his time was more fully comprehended the gravity of the Assyrian threat and its implications for the immediate present and the remote future. If we don't keep our eyes on the future, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to prosper you and keep you in health, not to harm you. Isaiah was saying, yes, there are things right now in our current day that we must be aware of. But we also must be aware of the promise of that remote hope. His oracles contained words of comfort, words of proof. His prophetic vision was was um, his prophetic field of vision was very broad, widening out in the book of Isaiah to even the messianic age when Israel's hopes and destiny found fulfillment in Christ's arrival. This is what it says about Isaiah, who the one who writes, with his eyes fixed on the troubled societies of Israel and Judah and his heart fixed on the faithful covenant God, Isaiah exemplified the spiritual trauma, such a dilemma created in the heart of a prophet. He said in Isaiah 6, 11, Lord, how long? This was the distress signal of the prophet Isaiah as he could see the troubled societies in the current mode. But then he comes back with that promise of comfort. And we're going to see that in the books, starting with books 40, even on and beyond that that he would also keep his heart fixed on the faithful covenant God. Eyes fixed on society, so I'm aware of what's happening, but my heart is fixed on the faithful promises of God. I would ask you today, is your heart fixed on the faithful promises of God, or has your eyes been fixed on the trouble in society and it has affected our hearts? Let that not be said of us. Isaiah, has, having seen the vision of the Lord, listen to Isaiah's posture before the Lord. Having seen the vision of the Lord sitting on his throne in chapter six, in majestic glory, proclaimed by the seraphim, he's keenly aware of the judgment of God on his own personal condition. And he says, woe is me for I am, I've seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord, woe is me for I am ruined. But then he says, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There's that beautiful humility where Isaiah is saying, I've seen the Lord. When I read that, I thought about how when we get a glimpse of who God is, 
we see the inadequacy of ourselves. But then he comes right back to the fact that I'm not ruined because I have the blessed hope, the promise of the Messiah. And we not only had to know that the promise of the Messiah was filled the first time, the promise of the Messiah coming back will be filled again. It's going to be so powerful. And so as we look at that, here's some other interesting facts about Isaiah. He was married, but we don't know his wife's name. She's referred to as a prophetess. We know that to Isaiah's marriage, he had two sons, both whom had symbolic names. So I thought these were interesting things. And remember, as you parallel scriptures um, and you see things in your commentary, these are important things to see what happened, okay? So I, want, I just wanted to share that with you. I thought that was very interesting, uh, who Isaiah is, okay? So let's look at page 118. We have looked at, last week, the invasion. Today, we're going to look at illness and investigation, and we're going to finish this chapter before we start chapter 40 in the book of Isaiah, okay? In the illness crisis, here's some things that Isaiah faced. He faced a peril, a danger. He needed a prayer. He had a promise. There was some pondering after that promise. I think those are very important things, a peril, a prayer, a promise, and some pondering. If we're going to have a victory mindset, we have to understand the mindset of victory, the process of victory, of the journey of following God and his plan, and the promise. And then we ponder that so that the things that we see in society are not what we think on. Our heart is fixed on the promise and the nature of God. Our heart is fixed on the promise and the nature of God. And so in Isaiah 38.1, as mentioned before, the event took place before the invasion. When the president or prime minister of a country is sick or injured, it affects everything. We've seen this from the stock market to the news coverage written in 1994. That could be written right now. It affects everything. Imagine how the people of Judah reacted when they heard that the king was going to die and Assyria was on the march. If their godly leader died, who would govern them? But there was even more involved. Apparently, Hezekiah did not have a son yet and therefore would have to appoint a near relative. So do a little book study from that other book that I said about, we think he had two sons to he didn't have a son yet. Let's look that up. Somebody can help me with that later, but that'll be how you do your Bible study, okay? So let's look at Hezekiah 38. I think I mentioned it last week because I thought it was so powerful. Hezekiah in 38.1 was at the point of death, and he became ill. And the prophet came to him and said, get your house in order. You're going to die. You won't recover. Thanks a lot for not giving me the good news. Thanks a lot. But you know what? This is what I've said about bad news. Bad news helps me know how to pray more specifically. Bad news helps me know how to pray more specifically. So Isaiah comes to Hezekiah or sends the message that Hezekiah, you're going to die. You better get your affairs in order. And um, what are you going to do about it? 
Well, guess what Hezekiah did? Immediately in this passage, in verse 2, 38-2, Hezekiah sorry, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O oh God, I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. I've done what was good in your eyes. And he wept bitterly. Sometimes when we get bad news, we weep bitterly. But we don't weep as a people without a promise and a hope. It's a Weeping can be a relief of tension. Weeping can be a relief of emotion. So bad news, even if it makes us weep bitterly, as we see Hezekiah doing here, he's also standing on the fact that I have served you wholeheartedly, Lord God, and I am petitioning you on this behalf. And after that, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and said, go tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life. Now the word of the Lord came, and because Hezekiah prayed, God literally changed his mind and said, you know what? You've prayed to me wholeheartedly. I saw your weeping. I saw your humbleness, your humility. I've heard you. I'm going to turn this situation around, and I'm going to give you some good news, just like that. I'm going to give you 15 more years. Praise God. Can somebody say praise God in the chat? When we pray, God hears our prayers. That is amazing. And he added 15 more years to Isaiah's, Hezekiah's life. Hezekiah 38, 19 goes on to say, the living, the living, they praise you. I am, as I'm doing today, fathers tell your children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing with instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. So here's what my commentary says. Hezekiah spoke to the significance of passing the joy of the Lord from father to child, from generation to generation. The heritage of our faith came to us because of faithful men and women who have carried the message across the centuries. And my commentary says, do you share the message with your children or with other young people so that they will feel the excitement of your relationship with God? Do you share the message of God with your children and other young people so that they will know the excitement of your faith. Amen? In those moments, I believe that there, and I have witnessed so many people who have gotten that bad news and they have said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But if not, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I surrender my life to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. And I have seen them be literally a voice of hope and joy and faith for nurses, for x-ray technicians in the hospital as they are being taken care of. So it's so important that we understand that we pass the message on to the next generation of believers because we've, we've learned in this last year, as many of us have learned in other times, Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. I want to encourage you to get your heart right, to get your heart open to the Lord, and to make sure that you are ready 
ready to meet Jesus, ready to raise that God song of victory, whether here on this earth or around the throne room of God, and know that in that perilous moment, Hezekiah gives us an example of how to, how to reply. Turn to God. So here's the prayer. That was the peril. Here's the prayer. The king did not turn to the wall in a sulking manner, but in order to have privacy for his praying. He was weeping and praying, saying that some people were saying that his prayer was selfish. But even then, Hezekiah was burdened for the future. He wasn't asking God to spare him just so he could do whatever. That would be a form of bribery. He was asking God to spare him so he could continue to serve God. Listen, if you have prayed for God to answer a prayer about job, about work, about health, and God has turned your situation around, that is not so then you can go on to your another way and leave God behind and say, oh, thanks, never mind. I'll see you again in a year or two years or when I'm not working. God wants you to honor him on the Sabbath. It says in that verse on verse 19 and 20, all the days of our life, we will serve and worship him in the temple of the Lord. So remember that the prayer keeps that posture of humility. The prayer keeps that posture of humility that says, Lord, you know my heart. You know what I want to do. And I'm asking you, God, to intervene in this situation. And God heard his prayers. So when we look at Isaiah 38, 4 and 8, we see that the request was granted what? Can somebody type it in the chat? If you have the book, I'm on page 118. How was the request granted? The request was granted Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. The request was granted <laughs> quickly. The request was granted quickly for Isaiah had not gone very far from the sick room when the Lord gave him the answer. And you can also see that in 2 Kings 24. The prophet became the king's physician and told the attendants what medicine to apply. Mm. So Isaiah 38 verse 21, I love this, Isaiah the prophet. Yes, Shanta, thank you. Isaiah the prophet says, okay, prepare this mixture of figs and apply it to this area and it will recover. And Hezekiah had asked, what will be the sign that I will go to the temple of the Lord? So we have Hezekiah the prophet and we have Hezekiah the doctor. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. And you know what that says to me for us? That we need to take care of our bodies. And yes, we need to pray. And yes, we need to believe God for the miracle and the promise of the future. But in the meantime, how many of you know, sometimes there's a medicine we have to take. Sometimes there's a test we have to do. Sometimes there's even a process of medical that we have to have. I broke my neck, basically. I was hit by a drunk driver riding a bicycle. I was riding the bicycle, drunk driver riding the car. Uh, hi, ready? Um, and I flew about 30 feet into the side of the road and I didn't know it at the moment because I got up and I was okay. I had terrible lacerations on my leg that were attended to in the emergency room. Three months later, 
I kind of did like that with my neck and it just broke. I lost all feeling. I became paralyzed. I have a fusion in my neck. I have a hip bone in my neck holding my neck together. I understand the process of healing. I understand what, what has to happen. Do you know, in fact, after that surgery, before the surgery, my husband asked the doctor, do I need to donate blood? Will she lose blood? And the doctor said, no, not for this kind of surgery. Sometimes you can see it's not a wrinkle, it's a scar where they went in to get to the neck bones. But the doctor said, if I cut an artery, she'll bleed to death and you can't give her enough blood. And, but that's never happened in 1,500 surgeries I've done. So you don't need to worry about that. Well, after surgery, they brought me out with the brace because you have to be very careful not to move once they've affected the bones around the spinal cord. And I started drowning. That's what it felt like. And my husband was at the end of the bed and I was telling him, I'm drowning. I feel like I'm, there's water. I can't breathe. And basically they lost me. My husband was calling code red. The nurses came running with the crash cart and literally they had to do an x-ray right there. And then they said, that's exactly what happened. The doctor had left, but they called him back. I went into a second operation to carterize the artery that he had cut, that he said I could bleed to death. I did not bleed to death. I recovered. I understand that there is a process. So yes, we can decree and declare the word of the Lord, but here we even see Isaiah in chapter 38 saying we've prayed and God's heard, but just in the meantime, make up this mixture for your health and put it on there and that is gonna be used for healing. So today, maybe some of you have been afraid to go to the doctor. We're all afraid um, at different times of different things. And I don't want you to be afraid of COVID. I don't want you to be afraid of a temperature or blood pressure. I want you to know that God will hear your prayers and answer. It may be a process to victory. We've known ones more and more and more in these last really like three or four months who have gotten COVID and they have gotten a negative and they're doing fine. They've recovered just fine. And so we can recover from these things. But we don't fear sickness. We ask the Lord, we plead to him, and we can trust that he has heard our prayers. So that is the prayer. Then we see the promise, okay? There is a promise, and God says, I will save him. And you can worship in the temple all the days of your life. So I want you to remember soon as you get well after you've been sick and you've got that clear and you don't have a fever and you can get back you're not in quarantine get back into the house of god and worship in the meantime you can worship online and number four is but the pondering so we have the peril the prayer the the promise and then the pondering from isaiah 38 verses 9 through 20. hezekiah it says was an author of psalms or songs and supervised a group of scholars who copied the Old Testament scriptures. And in this beautiful meditation, the king tells us how he felt. Proverbs 25, verse 1. Proverbs 25, verse 1. I'm on page 119 in the book. You ready? You're going to get a PDF of this if you registered for the ladies' launch. We'll be sending that. So here's the things. There's three things in the pondering that Isaiah experience. I wanted you to see these. Number one, he gained a new appreciation of life. 
When Isaiah began to ponder what was happening, he gained a new appreciation of life. After his illness and recovery, he said, I am in the prime of my life. I'm about to go to the, the gates of death. I won't see again the Lord in the land of the living. Like a shepherd's tent have been pulled down upon me. Like a weaver, I've rolled out my life. But verse 13 and 38, I waited patiently till dawn. And in verse 14, I cried out. My eyes grew weak. I'm troubled. I said, oh, Lord, come to my aid. He's pondering where he's come from. And then we see the promise fulfilled. Verse 16 and 38. Lord, by some such things men live, and my spirit finds life. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit. Verse 16 and 17 of 38. He had a new appreciation for a life. He also had a new appreciation for prayer. I waited patiently. He was praying and seeking the Lord. I waited patiently. He examined his own heart and confessed his sins and God forgave him. He said, undertake for me, be my surety, stand with me. And third, the king ended with a new appreciation for opportunities for service. There's that word again. As we see the living, the living, they praise you for generation to generation, the Lord will save me. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom, Psalm 90, 12 says. So I want you to know, as we see Hezekiah's um, process, we can remember that God hears our prayers, but not so we can go on our own separate way. God is moving on your behalf, and I'm speaking to the YouTube audience that will watch later, listen later. I'm speaking to the Facebook Live group even now. I want you to know God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. God has a promise for us in the midst of peril, and we have taken that from this process of Hezekiah's illness. All right, we're going to move on to page 120, and... Before we do that, I'm going to ask you, um, how does pride affect our response to crisis or conflict? How does pride, these are one of the questions in the book, it's uh, question number three on page 122, how does pride affect our response to crisis and conflicts? Somebody type that one in the chat for me while I get a drink. How does pride affect our response to crisis? Sometimes people might think pride and the other person who's in doing it, it's actually insecurity. So let me shift that question a little bit. How does pride or insecurity affect our response to a crisis. This is your chance to interact with me so I don't feel all alone. Tell me, tell me in the chat, how does pride or insecurity affect our response to crisis? Sorry. Yes. Oriana, we end up trusting in ourselves instead of God. 
<laughs> and ourself lets ourselves down sometimes. Somebody else, Barb? Oh, it was Barb, sorry, not Boriana. Thank you, Barb, absolutely. I have glasses on there, obviously not working. <laughs> awesome. When we think, sometimes I think also we think God is like only cared about these things and I've been asking God so long for this answer and it's a crisis and here I am again at the feet of Jesus and I think it actually makes us think I'll just have to figure it out on my own this time. Can I say to you, you never, I never have to feel alone. God is with me in the crisis. You never have to feel alone. God is with you in the crisis. You don't have to feel like I'm not smart enough or I'm not brave enough. Thank you, Julie. Julia, yes, it can keep us from reaching out. I love that one. And it does get more magnified when we're just there with our own thoughts, right? Uh, it prevents us from reaching out. Here, you know, what if Hezekiah didn't invite Isaiah? What if there wasn't that reaching back and forth where, you know, the prophet just brought the bad news to Hezekiah and then nothing else happened, but then he came back with good news right away. Sometimes people give us good news. And that is very important. Sometimes people give us good news and that is very important. Can I get you to type in the chat? I wanna be a friend of good news. I wanna be a friend of good news. That doesn't mean that in my circumstance, I, I'm not, I can't say that what's happening, but when my friend, when we reach out, like Julia said, that that person we've reached out to is a friend of good news, it may be, these are some statements I've learned over the years on dealing with crisis. You're saying to a victim of trauma or circumstance. First thing is, I'm sorry you're going through this. Validating whatever it is they're feeling, even though you might think it's insignificant or they should be past it by now, you don't get past grief, okay? So the first thing though is just identifying, I'm sorry that you're feeling, encountering this search situation right the second thing that you tell them is you're not alone. I'm your friend and I'm going to pray for you. And those are two very important things. I validate that you're in a difficult season right this moment and you're not alone. Not only is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit available for you if you call on him, but I as your friend or your person who you've come to for prayer, I'm praying with you. And then that there is help. Okay, these are important things. I share this in many training sessions when we're going to be dealing with people with different traumas and crisis and conflict. That's what was happening in the book of Isaiah. And here again, we see that someone is saying, wow, this is difficult. And, you know, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go through this. Um, Sinecrab was not a good friend of good news, right? Thank you already. Um, he had bad news. Like, you can't trust God. You can't trust Hezekiah. You can trust me. No. I have good news. So I want you to be a friend of good news. Thank you. And I validate you that this is a difficult thing. Also that you're not alone. You're not alone. That's very important. And the third thing is that there is help. There's help in the word of God. There's help in prayer. But we must each remember to stay in that position. If we're a friend, it's not our job to be a counselor. 
if we're a spiritual mentor or guide, it's not our responsibility to be a psychologist. We are supposed to keep them bound in spiritual things. That's our responsibility. Um, if you're a financial planner and someone is coming to you to help you with their finances, then that's the lane you stay in. So we don't get confused or think that we have to have all this knowledge about how to help someone. Crisis is a very multi-layered situation. So just remember that you're not alone. I'm sorry that you're going through this. There's, it's a validation of the situation and there is help. For me, it might be just my prayer with you and that's a valuable thing, um, but I can also reach out and find some things. So these are important things, okay? Um, and so thank you for answering that question. And here's another question for you to think, be thinking about as we move through this last part of the investigation. What principles do we glean from Hezekiah's experience that motivates us to become a person of prayer and one who trusts God? What principles have we gleaned from Isaiah, from Hezekiah, sorry, from Hezekiah in chapter 38 as he encountered this illness and he encountered this process of invasion and society's woes? What happens? So let's look at the investigation crisis in chapter 39. And so I'm just going to read a little bit of, of it to you from uh, my commentary. It says that Merodach was a Babylonian prince planning a revolt against Assyria. And so he was forming an alliance. He probably hoped to convince Hezekiah to join this alliance against Assyria. Hezekiah feeling honored by this attention and perhaps feeling some sympathy to their proposal, showed the Babylonian envoys his treasures. Mm. But Isaiah warned the king to not trust Babylon. Someday they would turn on Judah and devour Jerusalem's wealth. Those things that are close to your heart, you don't show those to the people that are not close to your heart. Those are the things that you guard, and that is very important. So as we look at the investigation crisis on page 120 and 121, I want, us, I want you to see a couple things that were happening in this investigation process. The stability of Judah was important to the balance of power in that day. And at this time, Babylon was not a great world power. And a few people would have thought that Assyria would one day collapse and be replaced by Babylon. Of course, God knew, but Hezekiah did not seek God's guidance right here. He had just learned. He had just been healed. So the stated reason for the diplomatic mission was to honor Hezekiah and officially rejoice at his recovery. But the real reason was to obtain information about the financial treasures in Judah because Babylon might need some of their wealth in future negotiations. When Satan cannot defeat us as the roaring lion, like we see in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, and you can put that verse up for me in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, when Satan cannot defeat us as the roaring lion, he comes as a deceiving serpent. We see that in 2 Corinthians 11.3. What Assyria could not do with weapons, Babylon did with gifts and bribery. And God permitted the enemy to test Hezekiah so that the proud king might learn what was really in his heart. 
It was really a mistake for Hezekiah to show his visitors all his wealth. Pride made him do it. After a time of severe suffering, sometimes it feels so good just to feel good that we let our guard down and we forget that God brought us that feeling of goodness and we fail to watch and pray. The king was basking in fame and wealth and apparently neglecting his spiritual life. So important. Had he consulted with first with Isaiah, the king would have avoided blundering up like he did. The prophet reminded Hezekiah that as a king, he was only the steward of Judah's wealth. He was not the owner. We see that in 39.6. It says, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace, all that your fathers have stored up to this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood will be taken away. The word of the Lord has spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. In verse 8, we see that Hezekiah, one of Judah's most faithful kings, worked hard throughout his reign to stamp out idol worship and purify the worship. But nevertheless, he knew there were some things in his kingdom that were not pure. Hezekiah was grateful that God would preserve peace during his reign. As soon as Hezekiah died, the nation rushed right back to its sinful ways. Can you raise a hand if you feel like this applies to our world today? We, we've had a, a, I don't know how much the media is covering it somewhere else, but in Italy, we just had like a major upheaval in the government and the prime minister left, resigned, whatever. And the president, we got a new one in yesterday with very little fanfare, a uh, whole new kind of ruling because of, you know, these people don't like that. But I mean, it just happened like in a couple days. And it was done here in Italy. So is it possible that this investigation crisis that we see happening is also something good for us to learn from Hezekiah's life and from the book of Isaiah, not to get bound up, not to get bound up in what society is trying to do. I want to hit this statement again. When Satan can't defeat you like a roaring lion, he comes as a deceiving serpent. And we know the serpent lied to Eve. Like, go ahead and eat. It's okay. God didn't really say that. Isn't that kind of what Sinecrab was also doing? Go ahead and try, because that's not really what God does. No. The enemy lies. And it's not always out and open. It's deceiving. And so um, we're starting the month of victory this month, ready for victory. And when we have victory, that means we had a battle. That means we had something we had to walk through, right? And so it's not like the enemy's going to come in with his red cape and his horns and his pitchfork and you're going to know, oh, that's the devil. No, it's going to come like through maybe sleepless nights or, you know, for me, maybe it's a constant problem with my tooth, but God intervened and I am not in pain and I am talking, even though I had some oral surgery on Tuesday and you don't know what an answer to prayer that is. I mean, it's amazing. So, but we have to recognize when we start to feel weary, when we start to feel frustrated, when we start to feel argumentative, there is something the enemy is trying to do and he's trying to deceive us. So we will get discouraged because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And God, Jesus, the Messiah, has come to give life and life abundantly. And he sent the Holy Spirit as he left the first time to say he's going to be the comforter. That's the name of our book, Be Comforted. And there's a promise of that redemption and that Messiah that is to come. And that is so powerful. So we can learn from Hezekiah. Always consult with God, his word, and spiritual leaders before you do something drastic. Don't try to do it alone. You will save yourself a lot of trouble if you will learn from what Hezekiah did. On page 121, Hezekiah is reminded that we are only stewards of the good things that God gives us. Thank you, Yanisi and Shanta, for that. Amen. Isaiah 39.7 is Isaiah's first explicit announcement of the future captivity of Judah. Here's that thread again. We see that there's, there is going to be a judgment. There is going to be a battle and a mountain to, to climb. But we see in 2 Chronicles, uh, I don't know if I marked it in the Bible. Hang on a minute. 2 Chronicles, somebody type that one in the chat for me. 2 Chronicles 32, 26. 32, and you always consult with God, his word, and spiritual leaders in your life that know you well, that, that are God has put in your life. Um, I always tell children and minors, also consult with your family. Um, depending on if they know the Lord or not, they might advise you differently, but keep your family involved in decisions that you're making. So we see Hezekiah's response is an expression of relief <laughs> that he had escaped trouble. If so, it would certainly be heartless on his part to rejoice. But his statement is more like an expression of his humble acceptance of God's will. Because even in verse um, 8, we can, we're going to go there next, next week. But Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You can always go to God's word. The king did humble himself before God, and God forgave him. Even the greatest and most godly of the Lord's servants can become proud and disobey God. So we must pray for Christian leaders that they will stay humble. But here's the good news again. If anyone sins, his grace and mercy is evident, and the Lord is willing to forgive when they sincerely repent and confess to him. A broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. A broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. I want to read Second Chronicles. Where is it? Second Chronicles. Thank you, Eunicea. Then... Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem, and therefore the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. That is a powerful thing, that we stay humble before the Lord, and we do not forget to ask for help from God, from each other, and from the word of the Lord. That is so powerful. So I want to give you a moment um, as we close, I've got a testimony to share with you as we go to the last one. And I want to ask you, because we're finished with Hezekiah and we're going more into Isaiah chapter 40 next week. As we look back on all of his experiences, what lesson on prayer, 
and faith and pride do you remember? What has stood out, stood out to you so far in our Thursday Bible study? What's something that has stood out to you about Hezekiah? What is something that has stood out to you about Hezekiah? One thing that has stood out to me is that even when he made a mistake and he realized, oh, I probably shouldn't have told them about my treasures, those things I hold dear. Um, I forgot I'm supposed to ask God before I just answered this person because maybe we're going to try to manipulate something here. And he came back to God and repented. And we see that. This is what I love about Bible study. See, that's Second Chronicles 32, 28. And we're in Isaiah chapter 38 and 39. See how the Bible bears witness from one author to the next, from one book to the next. When we cross-reference in the Bible, that to me shows validity and verity of truth. It's powerful. And so when you study the Bible, you see that. God, you don't take one little verse. You need to look at the context of the verse. You need to look at the character of what God is working on in that portion of Scripture and in that time period. So, so important. Yes, Hezekiah did need a gentle reminder from God not to be afraid. Thank you, Nisia. That's awesome. I love that you're feeling those things from the Lord. So powerful. Well, you know that in January, Pastor Rick and I did a 21-day fast, and we've been praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. And um, sometimes I have dreams, or sometimes I have something that I just really feel like the Word of the Lord has given me something specific. Yes. I like the part when Isaiah, Hezekiah sought God when he was God's face, when he was it. Yes. Don't fear sickness. Yes. Amen, Barb. I'm glad. I'm glad for that. Amen. I am praying that every day. God, we thank you that we are not afraid of the future when we know who holds our future and we know where we're going to spend eternity. So we are not need to be afraid. Amen. So anyway, our time of prayer and fasting with Pastor Rick and I was over, and we've been preparing this week for victory, uh, our sermons on Ready for Victory, praying and praying. In the evenings, we've had some long meetings and evening times, but we just kind of rest our mind and read or um, try to do different things, play games. We play games sometimes. And so this morning when I woke up, I realized I'd had a very vivid dream about that flood that was coming in. And I, and I was on a highway with my children. They were little, my children are grown women, they're mothers, but they were little and I was in a vehicle with them and I was traveling with my family and the waters were coming up like a flood. When a flood comes up, God will raise up a standard against him. And I literally saw this like guardrail on the highway come up and stop the water from overtaking the car. Well, as I shared that with Pastor Rick, he said, you're never going to believe what I dreamed last night. He rarely dreams. He dreamed that he was in a car and he was encountering a treacherous situation and navigating a mountain and everything else. And he was with our children. Our, children, our girls were there. And ultimately, the end of the message from both dreams was, keep driving. We heard that. Keep going. Don't stop. We can get around this. We can get through this. We can get past this. But we both heard that phrase, keep driving. 
keep moving, keep going. God's raising up a standard against. And when he shared that with me, I was like, wow. And last night he was at like around three or four o'clock, I woke up. And so I was praying over what I had encountered, but I just went back to sleep. And I realized like in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like in our room. He had descended upon us to share his message with us. And so what I wanna encourage you that with the study of Isaiah, we can be comforted, amen? And so today, I want you to be comforted that no matter what you're walking through, victory is a mindset. Victory might include an illness. It might include an investigation of a process of multiple situations. But in the end, there is a promise and a process for victory that we cannot lose sight of. Keep driving. The Lord is raising up a standard against those things that the enemy is trying to bring in, not just against us or our family, or our children or our children's children. Remember the blessing that he is before us, that he is behind us, that he is all around us. And if you haven't listened to the blessing lately, listen to the blessing when we hang up today. And you are going to want to be in church on Sunday. But more importantly, if you're a lady, you can join us on Saturday for the ladies' Zoom. So I want you to keep moving. I want you to keep driving. I want you to do your part praying and seeking the Lord. There is no fear. There is no condemnation when we are in Christ Jesus. And this is a new season. You're writing a new chapter in your book. And nobody wants to read a book that doesn't have the ending there. And you get like, what happened? What, what was next? Keep writing and keep moving. God is writing your story. You know, it's not his story, his story, it's her story, his story, her story, her story, <laughs> H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y, be comforted. God is amazing. Keep moving, keep driving, keep going through. God is doing it. And so today I know that the enemy is defeated. The promises and the prophecies of the Lord are going to be fulfilled. And one day Jesus is coming back. And we need to be ready, ready for victory, ready to sing, ready from head to toe. The way I think, the way I feel in my heart, the way my feet walk. I'm ready from head to toe to raise a God song of victory. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters watching now and watching later. God, that you would let the spirit of the sovereign Lord descend upon them. That they would feel excited about studying his word. And knowing that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Yes, already, he's faithful to show us mercy and grace. He is the great redeemer of all things lost. We see that in Job's life. We see that in Jonah's story. God redeems and continues his purposes in each of our life. God, I'm ready 21. Amen. We're ready 21. We are ready for victory. God bless you, and I'll see you on Saturday at 3 o'clock Rome time. Love you.